Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Coors Light. I am John Schmelk. He is Paul Dottino. The phone number for you is 201-939-4513. Thanks for joining us. It's all brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prize. It's Paulie Dots. How are you? Great to see you, John. It's uh, kind of nice outside after that rain that we had last night. It's kind of cleared up a little bit. And it might hit 50 tomorrow. Wow. It's February. That's pretty good. I'll take it. Don't scoff at 50 in no, February, No, no. Actually, you know what? Think about it, John. We'll be praying for 50 when we get to Indianapolis in three weeks for the Combine. Exactly. <laughs> so we, we're we going to start trying to integrate some polls into the show, folks. We already have a lot of votes. But if you go to the Giants Twitter account, they put up a vote for today. Are you more excited about the draft or free agency? Now, we all know the draft is more important, but what has you more excited? And, Paul, and I think this is a really good time, and I know you and Lance probably started doing this already yesterday. Once the Super Bowl ended, and really you're not going to have any NFL news now for some time that's league-wide. You'll have some individual team stuff trickle out. And this is a good time to really transition to the offseason, Giants work they can do in the offseason, and things of that nature. And obviously the Combine's in a few weeks, and then really the week after that, Free agency hit. So you have the draft and free agency taking center stage here, Paul. And really, with the number of things the Giants still need to fix, they need to do well in both if they want to make a playoff run next year. Well, when you addressed this to me earlier this morning, that's the first thing that I came back with. They've got to do well in both. They had to do well in both last season. And that was phase one of the operation. Dave Gettleman needed to change the way that the locker room was made up last year. That was the primary purpose. The secondary purpose was to improve the talent level. Well, guess what? Now it's time for phase two. Phase two has a primary objective of improving the talent level. Because I think that locker room, and you you can have an opinion on this, John. Maybe you disagree. I think the locker room is where they want it to be. I think they're pretty happy with where right? they're at. Yes. So, so now it's... Now, is it ever perfect? It, no, but... Nothing's ever perfect. But I think they're pretty happy. Maybe a little more work to do, but I think they're pretty happy with where they so are. So now it's basically do everything you can to make the top priority improving the talent level. So... Now, you still want those talented you know, players to be the right type of guys, though, too. Because well, of you, course. Because that, you don't that, want to undo what you did. Because that culture <laughs> can go south quickly. I'm just saying. Yeah, don't want to undo what you did. I think, I think the point is, though... Once you lay the foundation, you believe that the logical progression is that as long as you bring in more talent and the team starts to win, it's a lot easier to maintain the proper locker room setting once you start to win games than it is when they're losing. Yeah, absolutely. So, anyway. All right, so a couple of things we want to touch on here today. We'll talk about the draft. We'll talk about free agency. Paul, what do you want to hit first? Free agency to the draft. What do you want uh, to hit? Let's go with free agency. All right, we'll do free agency first. Pro Football Focus sent out a top 50 free agent list for 2019. And I don't think Paul has seen this one yet because it's not the one that had Landon Collins at 10. So this is a different one. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think of the best way to do this with you. Who do you think they have ranked as the best available free agent this offseason? Uh, well, let me just see the list of free agents first because I can't give you a ranking if I don't see the list. So let me take a look at that. Mm -hmm. I would say it's got to probably be an edge rusher. Yep. You got um, it. It's someone that we have been asked about on the show before. Uh, it's going to be a guy who's getting tagged. It's either going to be Ford or Clowney. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, actually, they have number one. Well, I could understand that. Uh, at the same time, I think it's 99%. He's going to get, get tagged. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was tagged last year. I, I honestly think they're going to figure out a way to do a long-term deal with him, okay. given how well he's played the That's last fair. two years. I mean, 
if you were Demarcus Lawrence, you want to do a long-term deal with him, wouldn't you? Of course you would. Right. So, I, and the Cowboys have a lot of cap space, so I would imagine that's going to get done. Uh, number two, Earl Thomas, safety really? from the Seahawks, who will be 30, coming off a broken leg, and he had an injury a couple years prior to that, which he was coming off of. Now, before you go any further, John, that guy has had a lot of mileage on his tires. And that was the point I was making. Yeah. I mean, look, as a player... He's that single high free safety that every team's trying to find. But can you trust him at 30 coming off all these injuries? Wow. I'm surprised they rank him that high. Excuse me. Is that based on strictly their grading system? Or is that uh, also based on the value of the proposed contract he might get? Does it say? It does not say specifically. Okay. First of all, I don't think he's going to take... A whole lot less money than what he's already taken because you remember he got that into that huge contract dispute with Seattle. He's going to want around 10 a year, give or take. Yeah, and, and he's right. not going to come in at a bargain rate or a reasonable rate. He's going to want top dollar. Now, you're assuming, though, that there's going to be people, there are going to be people lining up to pay him top Takes dollar. Takes one. That's all it takes. <laughs> right. Number three, they got Trey Flowers, an edge rusher. Who does, he says, doesn't put up big sacks, but one of the most versatile and consistent pass rushers in the league. I have no problem with Trey Flowers at mm. three. Okay. Brandon Graham at four. Who again, he's turning thirty one. Yeah. But a very good edge rusher. Again, I'm surprised you have not gotten to Cloudy yet. Uh, he's or coming. even Ford. He's coming. Grady Jarrett at number five, who's a really, really good defensive tackle. He is. So I got no problem with that. The position's not usually valued as highly though. He's only twenty six also. I get that. Uh number six is Jadavian Clowney. Okay. Love the way he's progressed, but the pass rushing still isn't at an elite level. Still, he's a movable chess piece, elite run defender who might actually be at his best rushing the passer from the interior. And, of course, we know about Clowney's injuries. He misses a few games every year. Yeah. Every year. To this, so you've gone through how many now? Nine? Six. six oh, six? six? Okay. Um, I would say I'm a little surprised, although maybe I shouldn't be because Bell did sit out a year. I think Le'Veon Bell is probably going to get still top dollar at running back. Mm-hmm. And and you would think that that would be more than the guys you've already talked about, right? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of forgot about him when you asked me the first question okay. because he didn't play last year. We kind of don't think about him. I wonder if teams are, are – we'll see how the market goes for running backs. They've landed Collins at seven. Okay. Frank Clark at eight, another edge rusher. Yeah. D Ford at nine, another edge rusher. So Clark ahead of Ford. Okay, interesting. Here we go. This is their reason. You want to hear their reasoning on Ford? Please do. Um, the high end from Ford this past season was special. He racked up 78 total pressures and had a 91 pass rushing grade. The worry is that his next best season had only 53 pressures. Okay, so, so they, they worry of being a one-year contract year mm. one day, which I get. And that was, by the way, that's what a lot of people said about Olivier Vernon when he was a free agent. Yeah. How about Ziggy Ansah? Uh, I'm, I'll get there. And Frank Clark, by the way, is only 26. He is a very, very good player. I can't imagine the Seahawks going to let him yeah, go. Yeah, but my, my point is, in considering the pass rushers we're just talking about right. now on the D-line... Well, Hans has it, been very quiet the last couple of years. But but he fits into that Ford category where he's been kind of up and down. Yeah. He's had some terrific seasons and then some kind of pedestrian. And now, who I think is the best cornerback available, Ronald Darby at 10. Yeah, he's who's, good. Who's, who's a good, good player. Okay. And actually, I think fits the type of scheme... Um, the Giants play. Bump and run, physical mm-hmm. corner. I think it fits. I'm not saying they're going to go sign him. He's going to cost a lot of money. But just saying that's the type of player that he is. Okay. Believe it or not, Adrian Amos at 11. Wow. Here's the reasoning. Amos has been one of the most consistent safeties in the NFL. His grades the past two seasons in coverage have ranked among the top 10 at the position in both years. He isn't the playmaker, 
that Eddie Jackson is, but he's extremely sound on the back end of the defense. <sighs> Le'Veon Bell at 12th. Okay. LaMarcus Joyner at 13. I cannot see now to me, LaMarcus Joyner would be over Amos. For me, I agree because I see Amos as more of a close to the line of scrimmage type of guy. And Joyner is he's very a free versatile. safety. He's he, a former corner. He could do a little he bit of everything. Play slot, you know, much yeah. like Entro Roll used mm-hmm. to do. And Dominican Sue at 14. Matt Parodies, the center at 15. Okay. Golden Tate, 16. Do they Jordan, go to 20? Uh, they go to 50. I'm, uh, not gonna, go, go to I'm, I'm not gonna go through all. Go to 20. Jordan Hicks at 17. Okay. Daryl Williams mm. at 18. Interesting. Sheldon Richardson at 19. Ha ha, Clinton Dix at 20. I'm going to bring up a couple of the guys I think are, are are somewhat significant just because of giant needs. Okay. They have Juwan James at 21. The offensive tackle. Yeah, but... Uh, Bryce Callahan, <sighs> slot corner at 23. I like him. So do I. Okay. I think he'd be I'm, a good pick I'm up. not high on James. Roger Saffold, a guard at 24, yeah, who's him. probably the best guard on the market. Yeah, I would agree with that. Honey Badger, 25. Again, a lot of mileage. Trent Brown, 26. <sighs> Kareem Jackson, cornerback, 28. Yeah. Again, we're deep into the yeah. list now, so Again, I can't really complain. I'm just, I'm just, how about Zadarius Smith at 32? I like him. I think, I honestly believe if the Giants don't get themselves an edge rusher and Smith is still out there in free agency, of course, we know free agency is actually before the draft. But if for some reason he's still hanging around and the Giants don't get one in the draft, I'd, I'd like to see if they could get a bargain price on him. Well, this is the worry for him, too. It's hard to get bargain prices on, prices on edge rush. It is hard. But, but if is, he's still out there at that time, and he this might is, be able to do it. And this is PFF's little caption on them. Wasn't even on the radar before this breakout year with 60 pressures. Has versatility inside-outside, but it's worth questioning whether 2018 was a fluke or a sign of things to come. I like his size, John. He's got that frame that I prefer. You know, he's not yeah. he's not your typical tweener. He's a little more oversized Trey, than that. Trey Boston at 35, safety. I mentioned him him to Lance a couple weeks ago. Well, he was an option last year, too. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of would think about yeah, him. Yeah, I'd consider him. Ziggy Ons at 37. There's another one for Pretty you. Pretty low, but again, inconsistent. Um, Dante Fowler, Muhammad I Wilkerson. I am not a fan. All right, and the other, the other interesting list I thought was even more interesting, I want to get to with you real quick. They That was their best. Now they're projecting the 10 guys are going to be the most expensive. That's the list I saw, right? Because Collins is number 10 they on that list. Clowney 1, Demarcus Lawrence 2, D4 3, Frank Clark 4, Grady Jarrett 5, Flowers 6, Le'Veon Bell 7, mm-hmm. Donovan Smith at 8, which boy, I'd be. I've seen that guy play tackle a lot. That's a lot of moolah. Good luck. Yeah, for a guy who's not a stellar player. Yeah, inconsistent. Tyrell Williams at nine, because he's the best wide receiver in the market, and then Landon Collins at ten. So, see, I I think that uh, you know uh, the biggest problem with with this now, and and we've always said this every time we get to February, is that there is still going to be some other free agents in that pool by the time the cuts come out. Here's and I've, that will alter some of the prices and demands. And this is going to relate, Paul, to the kind of the theme of the show: free agency and the draft working in tandem. What does Dave Gettleman always say? You use free agency so that when you get to the draft, you're not sitting there with an obvious need, right? Correct. Correct. Where you don't have to pick somebody at a certain Correct. position. Now, at six, given the strength of this draft class, there will be an edge rusher there. 
Yes. And you can say that with some degree of confidence. Yes. But if Gettleman is going to stick to that theme, he's going to add an edge rusher in free agency. He's going to add a right tackle in free agency. Whether or not they're top guys or not, it's a different question. But remember, his whole point is when you get to the draft, you don't want to have some gaping hole or need that you have to fill, right? He said that multiple times. Multiple times. That's so, the George Young philosophy, too. Safety, D-end, offensive tackle. Based on the list we're looking at, safety and D-end will be a well, lot easier well, to fill in for agency than offensive tackle. We've already morphed into it's got to be edge rusher. It could be an outside linebacker. It's got to be an edge rusher. It doesn't have to be a defensive end. No, edge rusher. That, that That's why I'm calling it an edge rusher. Yeah, right. Calling it, yeah, you just said defensive end a second ago. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant edge rusher. I edge apologize. Edge rusher because right. that's mm-hmm. the morphed the morphed new three, nomenclature. Four, four, three That's guy. the new nomenclature. Yes. The so, guy who on in nickel packages, you can send with his hand in the direct right. to the quarterback. So so the free safety, the edge rusher, the offensive tackle, and I would say the other of the four priorities, because I do think there were four, I do think they need another corner. And I think whether it's re-signing Jamon Brown or adding somebody else, they will have to make some type of addition at right guard. Yeah, well, Jamon Brown seems to want to come back. I I know pretty much they'd like him back, but now it comes down to a numbers game. And you Which said is always just, the trick. You said a, a minute ago, the guards on the market, nah. very sparse. Well, offensive tackles aren't exactly flowing either. So now the Giants really need to get Jamon Brown to come back. But now what is his business rep saying? Is his business rep looking at the marketplace and saying, well, we can make this number a little higher than most people think? And does that become a problem? I don't know. I don't know either. It's a good question. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. By the way, thank you, Matt. Apparently, there's some issues with the app, folks. So if you want to check it out, make sure you go to Giants.com to watch the show. Of course, if you're trying to listen on the app, you can't hear me. But if if you're having issues, go to Giants.com. The app is having some problems right now if you're trying to listen or watch the show. So make sure you go check that. we got a couple calls coming in, too. We'll get those up. And interestingly, you talked about the guards, Paul. Just yesterday, right? Um, PFF, and I don't want to go through another list, but just because you brought it up, I'll go through it very quickly. Yeah. Um, they went through the top 10 interior offensive linemen. And if I can find this here. In free agency or yeah, in college? free agency. Free agency. So Matt Paradis, who I have mentioned before, Roger Saffold, um, Mitch Morse is the center. Mm-hmm. And then you have the guards, Quinton Spain, Mark Lewinsky, Andy Levitre, Ramon Foster, A.J. Can, John Miller, B.J. Finney, who's the center. I'm surprised that they don't even put Jamon Brown in that list of the top well, ten. But I, I think th- he's good enough. Well, I honestly haven't. I mean, I couldn't. Tell you how BJ right. Finney plays guard. Well, let me, let me, if my life depended. I on understand, it. but but, <laughs> but here's the thing, John. See, <clears throat> excuse me. I would say this. <clears throat> You're right. Gettleman has always said you got to go through free agency and make sure you don't have any desperate needs in the draft. Okay. Because there are so many second and third round tackles, and there are so many first and second round edge rushers. Maybe there are fewer corners, and maybe there are fewer safeties in his mind. Right. So I think you can prioritize those in free agency to allocate more of your monetary resources to those. I understand that. That's I'm with where you. I'm going, and I'm with you. But I still don't think that means you don't <coughs> have your backup plan in place at tackle, right guard, and end before you get to the draft. That's all I'm saying. You need to. There's no question. Right. Mm-hmm. 
but if you were to spend big money on one spot, because I think we all know the Giants have roughly $30 million or so under the cap. That's the number that's been thrown out there through the NFLPA site. And nothing's official until we hit the— Correct. That's why I'm being very very Mm -hmm. generic about this. But it's going to be around 30 or so, at least according to the over the cap and some of the other people who track these numbers. It seems to me they are going to be able to probably sign one top-flight free agent and then a lesser one. And then everybody else will be filling guys. And it right? might it might even be tough to sign one top guy. It might be. You, got depends Landon, on, you have Landon Collins in the mix, so it, it gets more complicated. It depends on how high that top flight guy is. Correct. If it's right. a top, for instance, if it was a top flight um, defensive end, defensive end, that's going to be more money than signing a top flight free safety. Correct. Okay. Or guard. So, or guard. Whatever. All right. So in my mind, you know, somebody like a Let's just say, um, I don't know, you, Marcus Joyner, I think, is going to get too much and probably go back to the Rams anyway. But let's say somebody, I'm not sure that I necessarily agree with Earl Thomas because I'd like to go through his medical first and really give him one hell of a physical before Theoretically. I, I start right. talking to him. But if you wanted to talk to Earl Thomas and at least bring him in for a workout, I wouldn't object to that. Trey Boston would be another guy. I wouldn't object to that and see if... You know, haha, Clinton Dix is another guy. I wouldn't object to him either. Would they consider, remember, Honey Badger does have history with Betcher. I'd, I'd bring him in and work him out, you know. And and if that became, one, of, you know, one of those two high-priced guys, again, they'll probably be one kind of high-priced guy and one kind of lower. Right. Mm-hmm. I'd have no objection to one of those. So that'll be interesting how the Giants balance that, but... I think we both agree the draft is the more important exercise and the thing that you have to build your team through because you can't really build your team through free agency. It doesn't work. They tried that, folks. It worked for a year, and then we saw what happened after it's that. It's a short-term fix. Exactly. So the draft is more important. But for agency, you know, to set yourself up for the draft so you don't make mistakes is, is almost or nearly or if not more important mm-hmm. in that particular way. We want to remind you that Big Blue Kickoff Live is presented by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. 201-939-4513. Also, hashtag on Giants chat. Send us a tweet or two. I will make sure I get to them over the course of the show. John Schmelk, Paul Dettino with you. Let's start on the phones and go to Christian in New York who will lead us off. Christian, what's up? Hey, guys. I have a question for you guys about how the draft works. Um, sure. And in, in this particular question, it's about like finding the next quarterback. Do you think, uh, to a certain extent, Dave Gettleman is going to sort of uh, let Pat Shermer's um, opinion on the quarterbacks weigh a little more than his since Pat Shermer is really a quarterback guy? He will listen to Pat Shermer. He will take his opinion very seriously. He'll never in a million years give Pat Shermer a quarterback he doesn't want. I think that's fair to say, right, Paul? I agree. But Dave Gettleman is the one guy whose name is on this draft pick. He's going to make the final decision. I doubt he would go and draft somebody that he thinks is significantly worse than somebody else on the board just because the coach likes him. I would almost say they would choose maybe to bypass that position altogether if there's not a consensus there. And I think that's kind of almost what happened last year when they picked Barkley, in addition to Barkley being the highly, more highly graded player. But, yeah, I mean, he'll Shermer's what he says is important, Paul, but it's, it's still Gettleman's pick. Well, and understand this, I think just as important as what Shermer says, and maybe to some degree, and I, I don't think I'm being disrespectful, even more important are what the scouts 
have told Gettleman after they've seen a player maybe three times during well, the season. Well, of course, Gettleman's opinion is formed by what his scouting staff tells him, and, obviously. And then right. he's going to look at the tape himself, right. and he's going to come up with something, and then Coach Shermer's going to offer his input, and he'll have a percentage input. I don't know what the number percentage is of what his input is. He will absolutely have part of the process, but I think if you had to rank it, I think the most important part is what the personnel department and the scouting department tells him. Then Gettleman's probably going to say Shermer's opinion is next. And then ultimately, Gettleman makes the final call. And if you want to say that is the biggest one, you can, because he does make the call. But, you know, in ter- I think the coach is the third component right. in the list. And I think I, that's fair. And I was more splitting it up into two parts. You had, Ger- you had uh, Gettleman and the scouts versus what the coaches think. They'll take the coaches into consideration, obviously, but... That's the job of the scouts and the GM to make those types of decisions. What else you got, Christian? Oh, yeah, yeah, because I know Shermer is really a quarterback guy, so he's, you know, practically a scout. But um, it's going to be tough to ever draft that quarterback because a lot of the times you do have to pass on a guy who's more valuable overall just in terms of their talent. But, I mean, at some point we're probably going to have to leave a little bit of value on the table for a quarterback or else you might never draft one. Yeah, Christian, you're right. And I don't think that's wrong because quarterbacks by their nature get overdrafted, but you can still leave a little value on the table, but at the same time draft a guy that you think can be your Super Bowl caliber quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. So, I don't I think you can you're willing to leave some value on the table if you believe the player is that guy. You know what I mean? And and that player can be that guy, and you can still think maybe that there's a, a cornerback that has a higher overall grade. But as Gettleman has said, quarterback is a unique position, and you have to treat it in a unique way because it is unique. It, it doesn't work like every other position on the field. I'm kind of glad that Christian made this phone call, John, because I want to clarify something. You know, there are so many folks out there who hit me up on the show and on Twitter who believe that I'm dead set against taking a quarterback, period, in the 2019 draft. That's not the case. Personally, I'm I'm not of the opinion they should take a QB at number six. But if in the second round they really believe that there is terrific value there and one of these second-round QBs at the top of that round they think has some potential to be the guy, I would not object to that. Honestly, because I do know Eli's getting older. Guess what, folks? Yeah, really, I just said it. Eli's getting older, and his uh, sands in the hourglass are starting to run thin. They do have to start looking ahead and thinking about that stuff. So if they took a quarterback in the second round, I would not put up a huge objection to it. I'd rather see them address more defense and offensive line with the first three or four rounds, but I would not throw a fit. <laughs> I would, I would. you know what I mean? I I'd be much happier if they took one in the second round than the first round. Let me put it to you that way. Only because of the players that are available. Correct. Not 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 as a concept. Right. Correct. I, right. Based on the group that's out there, yeah. I think there's the value is is more equivalent to the picks in the second round. Whether or not they they pick in the sixth pick in the second round or they pick lower, I think the value is better there. Sadly, the guys that you think are probably second round rally values are going to get picked at like 18 or 20 because that's the way drafts go. Could but happen. We'll see. And Christian, you got anything else? Um, yeah, I don't uh, I don't feel like they can do that for a third year in a row. I think they either have to be 
all in or just not do it. And I know it's not Gettleman that did it the first year, but uh, I mean, two quarterbacks in the mid rounds, two years in a row. I don't. I I just wouldn't be a fan of that. I but, don't know um, that the second round could be considered a mid round. You, you yeah, Paul. Well, no, yeah, no, exactly. But I yeah, but as far as you know, getting your next guy in the second round, I mean, you know, that's just kind of hard to do. But it is hard. Um, but yeah, with Eli this year, I think they need to get him another weapon. No, no, um, no, Christian, stop. The last thing this team needs <laughs> is another weapon. They couldn't no, even no, no, not, get the not high in the draft. Not high in the draft. I, you know, I just met since we're talking about quarterbacks right now. You know, looking at Eli, I think he's going to need. You know, definitely another guy because where you know I, I wouldn't well, no, mind not, getting not I, high in the draft. No, no, but no, no, at what position? They could use a tall receiver, John. This group of receivers yes. are small. They need a tall guy. But, they needed a Brandon Marshall type, and that didn't work out. He turned out not to be the guy. How about Cody Latimer? And in this draft, there's, there's a handful of tall receivers. So. Yeah, I'm with you. I'd like to see them get a six foot four wide receiver or at least the six three guy who's got great length. That's, I'd like to see them add one. That's day three. But it could easily be day right. three. And it might fine. even be free agency. And I'm fine with that. You if may you, not it, even have to draft him. Christian, thanks for the call. And if you want to go add a, a six three, six four wide receiver, uh maybe that kid from uh Das that was at the senior bowl from yeah. uh UC. I think that's a guy you can maybe look at. He's one of those small California colleges. I forgot exactly what I name believe he's from. Funches is a free agent with the Panthers. Oh, I pa- oh he's slow. I'll pass. Okay. I'll pass. And that's fine. That's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Sills is the other guy. Oh, from Virginia Tech. He's the other tall receiver who yeah. I liked. But anyway, I don't have a problem again getting that, but you're talking day Keelan three. Keelan UC Davis. That's what I was That'd be fine with me. Third day be fine, but you could also go free agency with that. That's not an issue. Here's what, here's what the Giants need to do, okay? They need to, if I can get political, build a wall in front of Eli Manning. <laughs> Build a wall, folks. Tread carefully. <laughs> and right now, that means re-signing Jamon Brown, and it means getting a true stud right tackle who can be had as late as the second round, John, from what I could tell. you could, I don't think you're finding a stud tackle late in the second round. It seems to me that because of, of some of the other positions that are getting pushed up, specifically on the defensive side, I think that early pick in the second round, you could find a guy, much like Will Hernandez, who's going to compete for a starting job right away. You said late second round. No, in the second round. Oh, I'm sorry. I misheard you. Right? Um, Where they took Hernandez, they could find a tackle that's starting opening day. I think I believe that. It's hard. I think the best tackle you can get, and he might not even be there early second round, is the Dillard kid. I don't have a problem with that. And I think there might actually, Paul, and I think from what I've seen, I think you might have four offensive tackles, and if Dillard moves up enough, five picks in the first round this year. You can have the Ford kid from Oklahoma, Little, Jonah Williams, Dillard, and then who am I missing? No, maybe those are the four. And those four guys could all, those guys all four could theoretically be gone when the Giants come to pick. It's Reisner not impossible. Might be there. And oh yeah, Reisner's the fifth guy. Thank you. Those are the I knew you know, I forgot one. Somebody might drop. Those no, someone might drop. With, with Absolutely. The, with the quarterbacks who might sneak up into the bottom of the first round. Those those are the and look, this is the same thing we had last year. Remember we listed like six or seven yes. interior guys. Yes. And we and you know James Daniels was in there. The kid from Ohio State was in there. 
um, Will Hernandez was in there, and we said Isaiah Wynn was in there. And Hernandez we said if was any never these, supposed to make it, right? If any of these six or seven guys are there for the Giants in the second round, boom, good value. Right. Same deal. If, and obviously Jonah Williams isn't, and no. Ford isn't from no. Oklahoma. No. But if Little, Dillard, or Reisner are there, you can think about it. It's pretty hard not to take one of those guys if they're there. And look, I think we... Of we, course, depending on what you do in for agency, too. Yes. yes. We we pretty much thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, John, I think we both came out of the combine thinking Hernandez was going to be somewhere in the early to mid-20s. I was thinking early to mid-20s, yes. That's where I was. I was and somewhere s- between 20 and 25. Somehow, and you remember, you were here on draft night. No, you were at the draft. No, I was here. You were here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I, 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 okay. I was so focused and out of my mind that I can't, I can't tell you. He was in a lather. <laughs> and when he was on the board and the Giants came up to make the call, it was like, oh, baby, got to take the hog molly. And they got him. I think and if there, if there is a Will Hernandez from the Senior Bowl class, it has to be Reisner. Yeah. Just because of his attitude. I know he doesn't play exactly the same position. No, he could be a guard. And the thing about Reisner, too, is that he, he's position flex. So he can play three spots for you, which, which I think helps, too. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Anthony in Charlestown. He's up next. Hey, Anthony. Anthony going once. Hey, guys. Hey, what's up, buddy? Hey, guys. Hi. Hey, how are you? Hey, doing well. Hey, All right, two things. One, running back value. Two, a trade bomb to improve, free agent, uh, improve the draft. Okay. So, uh, first thing, um, you know, with running back value, the one thing I keep looking at is how many touches a year does a running back get? Three hundred. Um, I, I mean Saquon Barkley this year I think got somewhere around three hundred and thirty. If you get close to four hundred, yeah. you're starting to get into like, oh boy, we're gonna kill this poor kid territory. So <laughs> I, I would say right. I would say on yeah. average, say for your really good running backs, somewhere around three hundred and fifty, give or take twenty right. on yeah. three twenty five, three fifty, something like that. Yeah. So just doing some simple math, right? That's over five years. Let's say you know you you, you ruin the tread on the tires. 1,500 touches over five years. Sure. Right? Okay. A, a More than that. Receiver but okay. mm-hmm. is, is around 100, you know, if you got a top guy. Right? Sure. Mm-hmm. And maybe he lasts longer. Maybe he lasts 10 years. Yes. That's, that's fair. only 1,000 a a thousand touches. So, like, the amount of times a running back actually touches the ball, I just I don't know how that doesn't factor into the analytics or or why somebody is worth what they need to be worth. Well, and Anthony, here's I think the... you see some of that resurgence, you know, with the running backs now because of how many different ways they are getting the ball. Yeah, it, I, I agree with you, Anthony. I think the one thing the analytics people do say is what sets some running backs apart from others is their ability in the passing game. So in that part of it, you're right. But I think the issue with running backs, and this has been my point all along too, is, and we saw this at Barkley this year too, by the way, no other position on the field is as impacted by another group as running backs are. You could be the best running back ever. If you're in front of a really bad offensive line, it ain't going to matter. So why am I going to go out there and pay a running back a bajillion dollars if I also have to pay an offensive line in front of a bajillion dollars for them to be good? I I would rather have the guy... If you put a wide receiver outside against a corner, guess what? He doesn't need any help to win. He's going to go out there and beat that guy. Well, the only other thing I would say to that, John, just hold on half a second, is that you do need the quarterback to get enough time to get the ball out to him. You do, but I, I, but in my opinion, and we've seen wide receivers. Heck, look at the years Beckham have had has had sure. in front of bad Giants offensive line. It's okay? a little bit easier for a receiver Correct. to put up numbers than a running back. And I just don't think I would agree with Anthony. That. You don't have the drop off um, from you know 
we've seen these teams with good running games have their really good running back get hurt. And then the next guy comes in, he and he rushes for 100 yards too. I mean, I'll, I'll take the Rams' word for it that Todd Gurley was healthy. They let C.J. Anderson run the ball more than he did. Yeah, I mean, you, you had the Chiefs lose Kareem Hunt. Did you think the Chiefs' offense was any worse after Kareem Hunt got they hurt? Were. They absolutely were. You know, they, so, they dropped off. They were better for a couple games, but that identity was gone. The, I mean, the, they were the, not the same I, 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 Anthony, I don't think there was a significant drop-off much at all, to be honest with you. I really I, yeah, don't. I, don't, I don't know that there was. I mean, Anderson had, what, three straight 100-yard games at the end of the season for the Rams. Well, and I also about the Chiefs with Kareem Hunt, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, because well, Mahomes was doing what Mahomes was doing. Well, exactly, was right. Back there. Correct. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that counters the, the devaluation of the running back. The thing that counters that is that you will have these special guys – the Walter Paytons, the Emmett Smiths, the Hall of Fame kind of guys who the truth is they are that great for eight, nine, ten years. Not nine or ten years. They're not, we went through it. Eight yeah. was the max. Eight was the max. Eight was the max. Paul, I went through it on the end. You went, you went up, you went through the, t- the guys who were all 10,000 yards There was a up. significant drop-off after your seven okay. or eight for all nearly right, so, every running back. All right, but eight years, mm-hmm. I, I'm not, I'll take your word for it because I haven't sat down no, through I, it. I appreciate it. No problem. That's still the second contract. It's barely into the second contract. Well, if the guy gets his first deal, they pick up his option, that's five. five. Correct. Then he usually signs a four-year deal. Well, it could be four, it could be five, depending on how long the deal is. Right? Usually it's four. Mm-hmm. So and that, again, if that he, takes him through through seven. If he gets to eight, right? We'll see. You know, take, no, if he no, I mean, it takes it. It takes him. Through, it t- yeah, but it take right. It gets him beyond the eight year barrier that we're talking about. Yeah, I agree. If you can, so if it can, can be done. If you get that no, special guy, Absolutely. There's no reason to think he can't give you ten thousand yards over eight years, or yeah. even more than that. Right. And, and again, Anthony, I'm not debating how special Saquon Barkley is. I said last week on the show, he's as close to a perfect player as I've seen since I've been here. But I'm just not a big – like, for example, I was listening the other day to uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio, and a Cowboy fan calls up and is like, oh, we really need to draft a running back there to help Ezekiel Elliott. Well, what other what, – what, what, what? no, I'm serious, though. What other position in the NFL, if you have a Hall of Fame-level player at that position – do you need to help that guy at that position? Right. There's no other position where, well, he can't run it 100% of the time. He can only be on the field for 80% of the snaps. There's no other position that has to be off the field for a quarter of the game in order for them to be effective. So I think that's another thing with me with running back value that's, uh, that, that that's sometimes the gets in the way. touches in a game. It's 20 touches a game. That's why he gets spelled. Well, that's why, you, I mean, you, it's important you, to have a backup. I guess the, the the biggest argument that counters what you guys are talking about is the offensive weapon argument. As John said earlier, pass pass receiver. Correct. Because yep. when you have a guy like a Saquon Barkley, or going back to my day, back in the 70s, the first running backs who truly became offensive weapons in the nouveau kind of passing game situation, you had Lydell Mitchell of the Colts, and Chuck Foreman of the Vikings, who in back-to-back seasons led the NFL with over 70 catches apiece. They were the first guys. They were the precursors to the Roger Craigs, the Thurman Thomases of the world. I know mm-hmm. you know those guys. <laughs> young, young man over here next to me. Um, and, so, and so that becomes a different dynamic because when you put that guy on the field, the defense is saying, well, wait a minute. 
Is he really a running back? Is he a slot receiver because he's going to wiggle out of the backfield? Well, and th- is he going wide? And that goes to the point that Anthony tried to counter me there. Yeah, you say, yeah, you know, you know, he has to get spelled, but he's not on the field. But then his impact in that way, Paul, is it's gone huge. if he's not on the field. Right, right. But if he is, he doesn't even have to get the ball. He can just go lining up outside Correct. empty backfield, and you got to worry about covering him. Anthony, what else you got? we yeah, got to run. Yeah, you can be that much more creative. And my unfair trait bomb and some unfair <laughs> player, but um, armchair GM okay. type stuff. You know, you got what was it, three first-rounders at the skill position and a second-rounder. You know, you maybe you know, trade in Evan Ingram, try to get a high second-round pick. You go defensive end or tackle at six. You still got 37. You can potentially move high back in the second round. And you pick up either another interior guy which balances your offense. You put more talent on the offensive line. And, yeah, you're a little bit more spread thin, you know, at the skill position. But you still got some decent guys at tight end, right, with Rhett Ellison and things like that. So Honestly, okay. totally unfair, but it reminded me of the Jimmy Graham trade, mm-hmm. right, when they got Max Unger right. from Seattle, and it solidified their line, and Drew Brees was okay after that. So, fair anyway, enough. Just want to throw it out. Throw a bomb out there. Thank you, Anthony. I love Evan. But That's okay. Anyway. <laughs> I appreciate the call, man. Thanks, Thank, thanks for calling. Thank, and uh, thank you for listening. We appreciate it. Here's the thing. You're going to have to replace Evan Ingram if you do something like that. I don't think this team wants to... I think they want a receiving weapon that can you know, win one-on-one and make some plays at tight end. I think most teams want that now, Paul. It is a very good tight end draft. It's one of the best tight end drafts in years, maybe a decade. There's going to be... Anywhere from my understanding, five to eight tight ends that are going the first two rounds. You might have two tight ends from the same program going the first round, which has never been mm-hmm. seen before. So uh, I don't know. I, I want to. I, I don't want to sell on Evan Ingram now. I, I want to see what he can what he can do, especially after his last four or five games in this offense after Beckham got hurt. You know how I felt about him coming out of school. Mm-hmm. And he has improved slightly as a blocker. Slightly. And I will say that he truly showed how dynamic he could be over the final few weeks of this past season, which was his second year in the league. People say to me all the time, for yet forever, it's that third year in the league where you need to make your breakout season. Correct. So I'm prepared to hold my breath and say, Evan Ingram, this is year number three. Let's see what you got, big boy. And and if he can really ball out and kick some butt and catch 70 passes and show some improvement in blocking and stay on the field, more importantly, then I think the Giants did real well with him. 201-939-4513, hashtag Giants Chat. I will get to your tweets at the end of the show, so make sure you send them in. Hashtag Giants Chat. You can attach Paul and I to him as well, at GiantsWFAN. Mm-hmm. At Schmelk, it's all brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants prizes. Marco in Connecticut. Marco? Hello. How what, are you? Doing great, Marco. What's up? What's up, guys? Uh, always good listening to you and talking with you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I was listening this morning to yesterday's show. I think it was Paul and Lance. Yes. Um, and I, I wish I jotted a couple things down, but I, I knew I wanted to call about this. Uh, Paul, I, I don't remember word for word what you were saying, but I think – it was something about either Haskins or the quarterback. And you were talking about um, that there's no you un- un- like b- unanimous opinion about who the best guy is. 
Um, and you were talking about maybe like a guy that you would like where there's a, a big sample size and uh, where someone that shows that they could work in an offense where they're picking up multiple reads, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the, the comment was there was not a unanimous opinion that there was a blue-chip, lock-stock, home-run-hitting quarterback. It wasn't that who's right. the best. Most people believe, I think almost everyone believes, Haskins going to be the number one quarterback taken. Correct. I'm not arguing that at all. What I'm saying is there seems to be a wide scope of opinions about how good Haskins is. Yeah, some people think he's a top five. Some think he's a top 15. Some think he's maybe even an early two. So you're right. There are some wide-reaching opinions on how good Haskins you know, is. That's yeah. fair. We just had John Ledyard on the show last week. And he from, has him as a second rounder. He said he's mid-second yeah. rounder. Right. So, you know, that's that's a problem. When, when you're picking that high as the Giants are at number six, in my opinion— it doesn't make a lot of sense unless they are all in on a guy, and maybe they are. Upstairs, they know more than we do, and they certainly aren't going to tell us, okay? But, but unless they are really confident and all in on a guy, for them to take someone at six who has such a wide-ranging scope, that seems to me to be very, very risky. You better be darn sure, in my opinion, at number six is being a guy who's going to give you something and he's going to be really good. And I'll say this too. Dave Gettleman doesn't give a uh, you-know-what about what other people think he about does the not. players he drafts. He so does not, that, which is why if he's all in on him, he better take him. And, that, and that's not going to affect his thinking. Go ahead, Marco. No, no, that's, that's true. And I, So when I was listening to you say that, and thanks for recapping that because now it, it's a little more clear for me. Sure. Um, I've been following the draft for a long time. And when you said that, I thought to myself, I was like, well, geez, I was like, every year with the amount of guys that are coming back, are coming out, you don't have, uh, you don't have that strong opinion about one guy where everyone's united on it. I was thinking about last year's group, but I even went back. I was like, the last time I remember everyone was sold on one quarterback was probably luck. Um, and I was thinking to myself, um, yeah, I was like, man, I, I'd love to call Paul. I'm happy you're on today. I'd love to call Paul and ask him two years ago, what did he think of Patrick Mahomes? Because I will tell you just following that, Mahomes was compared to at the time as like a almost like Favre, where this guy is just no sample size, very, very green, but a crazy good arm. He's going to throw, he's going to make you, he's going to give you agita where the amount of interceptions that he's going to throw. But um, let him come in, let him learn an NFL offense. And then at the time of the draft, where people were talking about it was like, well, there's teams around the league that are in love with Patrick Mahomes. The guys that really cover the draft were like, I'm telling you, you can get your heart broken with this guy if you yeah. think you're going to no, trade you're right up about for that. Him. No, no, you're absolutely right, Marco. Patrick Mahomes is not a sure thing. Remember, he played in something that didn't even come close to resembling an NFL offense. So yes. that, so that, I, I frankly, and I didn't, I did not study the quarterbacks that year because I didn't think. The Giants were in the mix for a quarterback, so I didn't take a close look at Mahomes. I didn't take a a real close look at Trubisky. I didn't take a uh, close look at Deshaun Watson. I didn't, so I'm not going to say I had a, a very strong opinion. But for people that talked about Mahomes being a top 10 or 15 pick, because of all those things you mentioned, I, I was skeptical. Here's what I will say. I found a much stronger opinion. And if not unanimous, close to unanimous, I'm going to tell you right now, quarterbacks who were taken first overall in the last 10 years, Goff, 
had a much stronger feeling. Uh, some people like Wentz better than some, him, though. Some people like, I liked Wentz better. But everybody thought those guys were top five level right. picks. Right. I agree with that. That's not the case with, with this guy. Mm-hmm. Okay? Haskins does not have the approval rating that Goff had. Now, last year, I think most people thought that okay. Darnold and Mayfield were top five picks, too. Most people did. Right. They certainly had a higher approval rating. Wentz had a higher approval rating than Haskins mm-hmm. did. Winston did not. Okay? He went number one in 15. Uh, Luck did in 12. He certainly had a higher approval don't rating. Don't you think most people thought Winston was a top five pick? Uh, I don't think so. A lot of it was because of attitude and maturity. Okay, that's, a lot of people downgraded him I was him more that. thinking about on-the-field stuff. That's fair. Okay. Off-the-field stuff downgraded him a lot. That's fair. That's fair. Cam Newton was un- almost unanimous. Everybody thought that this guy's tools, he's going to be a real blue chipper. Correct. So he had a higher approval rating than Haskins did. Sam Bradford did in 2010. Matthew Stafford had a higher approval rating in 2009. You know, you'd have to go all the way back to 2007 with Jamarcus Russell, who everybody knew had a cannon of an arm, but they questioned whether or not he was very good at reading defenses. I I guess my point, and I'll jump off after this, I guess my point is, even thinking about the draft with Mahomes, watching aside, like Watson was at the time, like a great college quarterback, but... You just didn't know because he, he was he just a guy that that needed to move, and we were skeptical skeptical about that with injuries. But as far as Trubisky and Mahomes, zero sample size. And what I've seen from those guys thus far, now that there is some sample sizes, they've been able to get with coaches that could that could highlight their skill set. And I don't know if Haskins could do that with Pat Shermer or, or what. I don't know enough to say that. Well, here's the, here's the, say, well, here's the thing about Haskins, no. though. He has a NFL pocket quarterback skill set, so I don't think you would have to mold your offense around him. I think he has the tools where you don't have to customize something around what he did in college. You know what I mean? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I just I, I think, though, that's kind of where things, things are at now is, like, if – a guy may not be ready because we're constantly pushing people up and we're pushing this potential as far as it can go. He, he, he probably won't be ready, but I guarantee you a team that thinks that they could fit him in to whatever they're doing and take care of him and put him in a winning situation will take him and will make sure that he's set up right way. And I, I guess I wanted to call, but I was curious. I was like, what, does Paul, what did Paul think of Patrick Mahomes? And now Mahomes is suddenly the guy that gets compared to everybody. Well, yeah. But he, he, he's done it for me, though. I'll tell you, I'll be honest. I won't judge uh, someone that comes from any time. I won't judge Kyler Murray. I won't. I don't want him as a starting quarterback of our team. But I won't judge him because I think there's enough coaches and enough quarterbacks out there now that tell us you, you can make it work. So, I don't know. Well, thank you, Marco. Appreciate the call, buddy. Marco, two answers for you. Mahomes, I liked, but I did not think that Kansas City made the right pick to to, to go up and trade for the 10th spot. I thought that he had reached a little bit for him. I didn't think he was going to be worth that. Ha, ha, ha. He proved me wrong, at least in his first season. And there should be no doubt of that there on Mahomes, by the way. Right now, on his first season of a full starting, he clearly proved he was worth it. And by the way, I'm not all in on Trubisky either, by the way. I'm not very high on Trubisky, to be perfectly frank with you. I think he's an average NFL quarterback. And I'm not sure. I don't think he's going to be great. And I know some people are going to get mad at me about this. Am I positive Jared Goff is a far above average quarterback? You know what? I told, I told you I was much more all-in on Wentz, yeah, so was and I. I'm I was still more all-in on Wentz, even though he was hurt. So am I. I'm still more on Wentz. I agree with you. Uh, as far as uh, the, the other point that I wanted to, to, to get with you on is that my personnel guy who said to me, independent, not from this building, said to me 
that Haskins is a mid-second round value. Value. Not where he's going to be picked, but value, right? He said to me, I think he could be a good NFL quarterback, but it's going to be three or four years down the line. So my question to you then is, if you're talking about developing guys, let's just say it does take three or four years to develop them. Even if I wanted Eli Manning to be the guy in 19 and 20, what kind of risk are we talking about? If you take a guy at number six who is going to be three or four years down the line in development, to me, that just enhances the risk. It makes it a riskier pick which is just another reason why you don't take him at six. All right, well, we're talking about this. I guess I'll do it. Um, Go ahead. I watched about eight games of Dwayne Haskins, so I have a real good feel for him. I watched the last eight games of the year, last seven games of the year, more or less, and then I watched the early game against Penn State. Um, I also watched Kyler Murray for about four games, so I'll, I'll give you my take on both of you guys. I've talked about the other guys, who none of which I think are first-round values. Um, I believe Dwayne Haskins is a first-round pick. I'm not convinced, and again, I haven't looked at enough of the other players in this draft to, you know, rank where he would be in this class because I don't have a feel for the other players yet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Do I have him on the same level as I had Mayfield and Darnold last year? I do not. If you take Josh Rosen's injury problems out of the equation, I have him below Rosen on my list. I believe he is a far more polished passer in the way a pro game wants you to be a polished passer in terms of accuracy, using the pocket, things like that, than Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. I have him better than those two guys. Here's what I saw when I watched Haskins. He is not an athlete, all right? He's not mobile. He does, and this is something Pro Football Focus told us last week, and I watched it, and I thought it was accurate after I watched the tape. Does not handle pressure well. His feet get real messy when there's pressure in his face. Problem. Extremely accurate passer. Mid-range between the wide college hash marks. If you want a guy to complete a 15-yard in-cut, he's your guy. And he'll hit it on the money with good velocity. And he anticipates well. He'll throw the ball before guys come out of their breaks. He'll do those types of things that you want an NFL quarterback to do. But again... Not going to create things off schedule where he's going to scramble, run around, and make a play. Feet get messy under pressure. I feel passes outside the numbers, once you start getting more than eight yards down the field, can be inaccurate. And not the most accurate thrower down the field. Mm -hmm. I do like the fact, and I mean on deep balls now. He's very good in that intermediate 10 to 20 yard area. He got better from the start of the year to the end. I thought in the start of the year, he would settle too much for short throws. And you would still see sometimes late in the year, he wouldn't take a chance on something down the field and he'd throw it short. That's something John Ledyard said to us last week. I saw that too, but I thought it got better as the year went along. And I think for someone like that, who only has one year playing, getting better over the course of the year is actually really important to show that he's an ascending player. And I do think he's an ascending player. I think he will be a good pocket traditional big bodied good arm can make all the throws starting NFL quarterback I don't think there's as much of a developmental need as your guy talks about now every guy can use a year I'm not going to say he couldn't use a year but I don't think this is a three or four year process I would feel really good about picking him between 15 and 20 
feel real good about it. I don't know. Again, I have to look at the rest of the players. I haven't looked at all the other guys yet to compare him. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you where I have him on my list. I'm just going based on what I know about draft prospects. I wouldn't. I will say this. I would not trade up for him. I will say that with confidence. I would not trade up for him. Somebody might. <laughs> and that's the trick. For me personally, at six, he'd be in the conversation. I haven't seen everybody else yet, so I can't say he'd be my pick or not. My guess is that once I get done with everybody else, I will have a handful of other players that'll probably be on the board then that are probably better graded players. But I do think Dwayne Haskins will be a good starting NFL quarterback. But I don't think, at least right now, he would be in that, I think he's going to be a great NFL starting quarterback. And that's where I'll leave it. I shared this with with the guy who watched Ohio State extensively, and who Dan knows Salamone. and no no <laughs> who actually knows guys on the coaching staff mm-hmm. and knows that he's only asked to look at the first or second receiver. He doesn't go for the third or fourth receiver. He doesn't I, have I, that many options. I have seen him go through progressions. He does. He doesn't go past the second. Well, I'm told, and very he also, rarely. And he also very rarely. And he also makes adjustments at the line of scrimmage. So so. My guy said to me, you know, he is a, he is not a one read quarterback. It's a it's a teaser two read two read quarterback is what I was. Talking I have about. seen him read both sides of the field. So on he, the same play. So it's a very simplistic offense, and and so as a result, you know, he is going to have to to really progress in getting to that third and fourth read. Yeah, but I think and, almost every college quarterback's like that now. Paul. Well, a lot a lot of them are. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell you a lot of them aren't because a lot of them are. And that's what right. we talk about when we talk about system quarterbacks. And I remember, you know, years ago when See, I talked I, about Russell Wilson being that. In my opinion, and he's not anymore, by the way. And I don't think Haskins is okay. a system quarterback, by the way. I don't. What 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 happens is, if if your guy is most comfortable in some stretch or facet of the job that is limited in some way, that's what identifies him as a system quarterback. And particularly, it's if they only run certain routes or they favor only between the numbers or only favor outside the numbers or only favor certain, um, uh, a certain like progressions, only first and second progressions. Doesn't go for third and fourth progressions very much. Don't give them enough of outlet options. Don't give them enough uh, read at the line of scrimmage options where you can alter stuff. That's what makes a complex offense complex. My guide said to me, I suspect the second he sees an NFL playbook, his mind is going to be absolutely blown because what they're running at Ohio State is not nearly complex enough to even come close to what an NFL playbook is going to be. But again, I think it's like that for every college offense. Well, in a lot of cases, it is. We do have a lot of these system guys coming out Yeah, but Paul, here's the thing. That's not not, uh, a lie. There are a ton of other players, though, that I think were far more limited. And again, you haven't watched them yet, so you you haven't formed that opinion yourself. Some cut ups. That's all I've seen. Exactly. So from what I've I've watched a lot of quarterbacks the last few years. I I can't wait till we get the Ohio State guy on when we're doing our preview. I want I want to know what what he knows about their game plan and what he knows about what they run at practice. Well, I've watched from what I watched, and I watched a ton. I'm not as concerned with him being able to read defenses. That is not my major concern with him, watching him play. Okay. That's just That's me. fine. That's fine. Now, there are other issues, like I said, 
Point, point but, is, well, I and I think there are other issues too. Point is, you're not taking them at six, nor would I, if we had the call. Well, again, I don't know yet. I haven't watched the other okay. guys yet. How, okay. How, and neither okay. of you. How could you say that? Okay. You know, what, what if you hate all the defensive ends? I'm basing that strictly on right. intel that I have Correct. gathered from people in the business who right. do this for a living. I got you. Right. I right. like I like to watch for myself. Here we go. So do I. Ben, and, ben, and you're right. Based on the combination of everybody else's opinions, I wouldn't either. I'm with okay. you on that. Ben in Richmond, he's up next. Hey, Ben. Good afternoon, guys. How you guys doing today? Doing great. Good. <clears throat> Glad to hear it. Hey, look, first of all, I'll get in the Haskins thing real quick here in a minute. But uh, to me, I think the offseason plan should be, number one, try to strengthen this offensive line through free agency. Probably, I, I love Jawan James, the right tackle from you Miami. Do. I'm not Ooh. sure how much he's going to kind of uh, – you know, be looking for in the market. But Very up and down career. Very up and down. Tackle. Very inconsistent player over the course of his uh, NFL he, career. But he would be an upgrade. The top right tackle out there. Bob, Bobby Massey right was until the Bears then, resigned him. And then, <laughs> and then a veteran center and uh, maybe Matt Paredes, maybe him as at center. Um, but I think that, that you got to get some veteran guys. No, but Ben, Ben, I, Ben, I, I want to stop you. I want to stop you, Ben. If, if, if you go and sign those two guys, you're out of money. Yeah, that's you're a problem. Out of money. You're done. You're, you're, you're probably done. out of money. But again, and that's a problem. Thing to me is, you know, it's Olivier, it's Olivier Vernon. I mean, are you going to retain Olivier Vernon if you release Olivier Vernon? You still need an edge rusher. And no, 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 Ben, Ben, you need one anyway. Release what Olivier Vernon is getting now or more. Well, and that's the thing, Ben. If you release him, then you need two. Yeah, because even if you exactly. keep Olivier Vernon, yeah. you need one. So then you need two. Ben, I'm curious, and, and, and I'm I'm never one who's gonna poo-poo enhancing the offensive line. But let me tell you something: right tackle, they definitely need a big upgrade. One hundred percent. Chad Wheeler is a good kid. And Jawan James is a huge okay. upgrade over what's there now. There's I'm, no doubt about that. Chad Wheeler to me is an NFL backup. I, he should not be starting. I understand that. No. I'm not afraid to say that. I like the kid. He tries very hard. But his level sure. of production says he should be a backup. Okay? James is a starter in this league. I still think he's been inconsistent. I'd like to shoot a little higher, and I think I could do better in the draft. But having said that, the center spot, Spencer Pulley did a very solid job for this team during the stretch last year. And I'll tell you, too, the franchise, I, I and, and, and Ben, real quick, the, the coach and the GM both go out of their way every time they talk about center about how much they like Jalapio. They do. So to me, if if Jalapio is healthy, and he if he wants to battle with 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 Pulley, which is what's going to happen, unless they get a significant upgrade, but at what cost? Right. Okay, in my opinion, that is not a high priority because if if Pulley, who by the way is only three years in the league, John, I have to check that. I'm okay, I sure. think he's only three years in the league. I think okay, let me tell you something. something like who that. is? Pulley? No, he's 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 because he's uh, he's a restricted free agent. So he's definitely not more than five. I guarantee you that. In fact, I don't yeah, even think so he's four. He's, like 20 he's 25. He's yeah, like he's 20 a kid. Right, he's, well, he's a young fellow. He's going to turn 26 yeah. in April. Okay, so he's still go. got upside. And remember, he started a full season for the Chargers two years ago. So this yeah. is not like you can't count on this guy. Here's what I would say. If Spencer Pulley is your fifth best graded offensive yeah. lineman, you're doing real well. If your line says that he is your third best offensive lineman, that's not so great. But if he's your fifth best offensive lineman, you can go to the playoffs with that guy. I got no problem saying that at all. If Bill comes down again, 
Can you get can you get Jamon Brown resigned for a decent price? Again, Jamon Brown. I'm with you. He wasn't Chris Snee, but he was a pretty good player. I'm you with know, you. He was an upgrade over what was in there before. A significant him. upgrade. You know what I mean? So if you can get him at a decent price, sign again, like I said, a Jawan Jawan James, and then kind of get the offensive line built through free agency. Then in the draft, you start trying to refresh this defense because the defense really has to get looked at big time. All right, Robbie, we got to run, man. We're past one o'clock. All right, buddy. Hey, Take care. Thanks Thank for the call, man. Good stuff. Hey, look, and right tackle is a top one or two need. Yeah, it is. It is. It I is. mean, you can't argue. But see, for me, I value there's more of a need at edge rusher, at safety, and at corner than there is at center. I agree with that. So, all right, I, we, Charlie, you got to be really quick here because I promised people I get to their tweets and I still got to do that. So you got to be sure, one sure. point and get out. I, I will. Hi, guys. Hi, Charlie. Just a couple things. Sure. Hey, Paul. Hi. Hey, um, you know, everyone's worrying about Barkley after eight years or ten years. You know, why can't we do this? Why can't we do the same thing that we did with Frank Gifford, turn him into a receiver after so many years? <laughs> Gifford became a receiver down, after a concussion, he, Charlie. He came back what? after a concussion. I know that, but he was still a good <laughs> catching halfback. And, and oh. Barkley is, too. You could turn him oh. in to a wide receiver if his guy. skills diminish a little bit as a running back. This dude could play for a lot of years. That's all I'm putting out there. Charlie, look, he's one year in his career. There's a lot of really great years of Saquon Barkley on the horizon. I don't, yeah, know, I don't know what's going to happen seven days from now. How am I going to know what's going to happen <laughs> seven years from now, okay? Okay, and the other one other point quick is that we already have our tall wide receiver on the team. Anthony Dobler. His name is Ingram. Pick up I one agree. of those great tight ends in the draft you're talking about no, who is like uh, can block Stop. and who's a two-way Stop. guy and turn Ingram Stop. into that wide receiver. Paul, he's the sa- uh, Paul. Charlie, he's the same player. A team is not going to change how they play the Giants, whether there's a WR or a TE in front of his name. There's no difference. Yeah, they treat him. They treat him the we same gotta go, way. Charlie. It's not Thank about his, what position he's playing. By the way, from the time Tiki Barber became a starter, he went seven straight years as a featured back and had six thousand yard seasons in those seven years. Yep. And I think we all know he still had another year or two of a thousand yards left in him when he retired. In the end, but he was a guy too that split okay. carries a running back. As a primary ball carrier, he did split carries in, in some way, shape, or form, right? Uh, at times, he split them a little bit, but but my goodness, one, two, three, four years of 300 rushes. And he had the three in a row at the end there, right. which is 320 plus. That's fair. And and obviously, look at the receptions, John. 66, mm-hmm. 70, 72, no 69, 69. Yep. Let me tell you something. If Saquon Barkley matches... Tiki Barber's numbers, step for step, it's a win. And there's not a doubter on this planet who's going to convince me otherwise. That's a win. If that's the guy they got, that's a win. Depends who your quarterback is. Understood. Understood, because that's a bigger picture question. Correct. But in terms of Barkley himself. As a player, cause, cause yes, I think, that's I think, a win. I think the only thing that's keeping that's Tiki Barber out of the Hall of Fame is because he had horrible fumbleitis, and I do think a lot of people take that away from him because he's a borderline Hall of Famer. He really I, is. I think he... I think he's better than one or two of the running backs that have already gotten in. I wouldn't argue that. To be honest with you. I think people do hold against him the fact that he had so many fumbles earlier in his well, career because that too, is part of the game. I think what happened post-career reflects. Uh, people that may not like have helped him too. either. I know. All right. I did have a couple of tweets come in. I know we're a little past one, but I, I promise people I get to him and I want to keep my word here uh, really quickly. 
Andre, why does anyone ever bring up a center is in need? Jalapio is 28 with six career starts, coming off a big injury. The Giants are penciling him in as part of their long-term plans. They're making a mistake. Bigger need than right guard on par with right tackle. Uh, Andre, we kind of just uh, touched on that. Paul mentioned Spencer Pulley. If you want to add a guy on day three of the draft to compete at center as a young guy, great. I got no problem with that. That's mm -hmm. fine. But that's not a position you're going to spend a large part of your salary cap on or one of your day one or two picks, in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, Dylan Davis, which rookie of last season, other than Saquon, do you think will improve most heading into next year? I like Lorenzo Carter. Yeah, I answered him two ways. I said if he was thinking about the league, I haven't thought about it, and I don't know that that's really relevant. I think he meant the Giants. If he meant only the Giants, Lorenzo Carter would have to be my answer as well. Okay. Um, Lisa, real quick. Um, am I crazy when I think to say Eli was good last year? If the quarterback is not there at six, we wait. Uh, just the idea of waiting at quarterback. Look, you don't want to draft the wrong guy, okay? That's the last thing you want to do. You don't pick, and Gettleman has said this, so I'm basically parroting what he said. It sets you back five years. You don't pick a guy for the sake of picking a guy. Just remember So this. unless you believe he's the guy, you don't take him. I told Lance on the show the other day. I guess it was yesterday. Remember, the Giants reached and took Dave Brown out of Duke in their supplemental first-round choice because they knew that Phil Simms was on the down. He only had a couple of years left. As it turned out, he only had another year after that left but because he got hurt with the rotator cuff. But they knew Phil's time was running out. So they forced it. They reached. They took Dave Brown in the supplemental draft. First round pick. And how'd that work out? That's what happens when you reach. That's what happens when you get desperate, especially at quarterback. And they were in the so-called quarterback hell that so many people keep talking about today that they were afraid to go into. Well, that's what happens when you reach for one. Done. Thanks for joining us, everybody. It was all brought to you by Coors Light. Download the Coors Light Rewards app to an amazing Giants. Prizes for Paul Dottino. I'm John Schmelk. It's Fiegels and I tomorrow on Giants.com. Make sure you check it out. Adios.